All right, we are here. It is Thursday night, and that means one thing and one thing only. It is time for the most deadliest move in all of professional wrestling and also a little show we like to do here on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. It is time for the inside. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Might have cut myself off. The inside cradle. Rick Uccino here. Kev Kellum a little under the weather today, so he is going to take the day off. Sid Puller third SP3, my man, my brother from another mother, joining us here on the inside cradle, our regular uh, substitute. We might just need to make you like, a permanent member of the show as often as you're on now i'm just waiting for you you know you or the sk executives to give me the call be like you know so so i don't have to like get my wife mad at me and ask her last minute can i fill in just give me the thursday slot so she always knows i always know but i'm always happy to be on inside cradle whether it's with you uh rick you know we always have a great time friday nights with dutch mantel yes. he gets he he's the judge of our often arguments about what's going <laughs> on on smackdown or AEW rampage or he's, i love he being... sides with you a little too much he sides with you just a little too much just hey, that's, what, that's my uncle that's my uncle dutch i'm about to i'm about to get him the <laughs> aluminum foil uh plate from the cookout soon because he's he's fair he's fam now um, or if I'm here with, uh, you know, Kev Kellum, AKA Vince's number one, uh, sports keto wrestling, uh, provider. So <laughs> I don't care what that boy says. He's an apologist. Oh my God. You should have seen him in the chats today, trying to defend this Adam Cole news that we're going to get to uh, a little bit, or at least this Adam Cole rumor. There ain't no defending that. I'm sorry. I don't give a damn what you say. I'm actually kind of glad that he's sick today. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. We, no, we, no. we hope Kevin is, is great and he's back tomorrow and, and, and better than ever. But uh, yes, we are going to talk about Adam Cole, Bay Bay. We are going to talk about Kevin Owens uh, today. We're going to talk a little bit about Sami Zayn. We'll talk about Matt, or excuse, Matt Hardy, uh, Jeff Hardy, and what on God's green earth is WWE doing with him? The answer is not much. Uh, we will talk about WWE. I'm going to try to be as positive as I can about the E today, but um, man, they got a massive problem, whether they want to admit it or not. But I do want to start off with the hottest wrestling company in the world right now. There's no denying that. I don't care if you're one of these tribalistic people who is, WWE's awesome, man, and screw AEW, they're a pissant cunt. You cannot deny AEW's on fire. They are on absolute fire. They are firing on all cylinders. Whatever you know, descriptionary term you want to come up with, they're cooking with gas right now. It has been a great week for AEW, and just me personally... Uh, it was a great night for the city of Cincinnati last night. I was there at AEW Dynamite, the fallout to All Out, uh, which was one of the best pay-per-views that I've seen in 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 years. I, I saw people were uh, were comparing it to uh, some of the greatest WrestleManias uh, of all time. It wasn't it wasn't perfect, but hard to find a complaint from top to bottom. Again, I could nitpick, and I did on the post show with Jose G, which you can watch on the Sports Kid Wrestling YouTube channel. Uh, but we saw the debuts of Brian Danielson. We saw Adam Cole. We saw Ruby Soho. And then all three of them were there last night in Cincinnati. AEW Dynamite, the homecoming for John Moxley as he beat Suzuki in the main event. Uh, in what was a fun main event. And that crowd last night was hot for John Moxley from the get-go, from the start. That man is a god. He ended the night partying in the crowd and, and tearing things up. There were so many references, Sid, last night that just made me smile. You see Brian Pillman Jr. coming out in the Bengals jersey that his dad wore. You saw even MJF shitting all over Skyline Chili in the Reds. Bring it on, bad boy. I don't give a damn. Uh, you know, we had so many references to Skyline Chili last night. In fact, uh, after the Rampage taping, John Moxley actually got in the ring and started singing the Skyline theme uh, with Brian Pillman in the middle of the ring, which was scary and hilarious at the same time. Uh, but this is something, Sid, that I love about AEW. They just embrace the city that they're in. They celebrate the city that they're in. They make it part of the show. And they made Cincinnati which is a fantastic wrestling market that does not get the credit that it deserves for being that. Trust me, lifelong wrestling fan, lifelong Cincinnati, and rooting for my Bengals on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, 
they don't we don't get the credit that we deserve for for pretty much anything uh but especially in being a great wrestling city and we are and they treated us like we mattered last night and it was spectacular the biggest show and this ain't saying much but still the biggest show in two decades to come to cincinnati sid as 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 an outsider you're a new yorker uh you're, you're one of those cities that gets treated with respect uh when it comes to the wrestling community you know you guys get fucking pay-per-views and shit pardon my language uh this is something that is stuck in my crawl because we haven't had a pay-per-view in cincinnati since 06 for wwe and 2011 for tna that was it uh so you know it's it's been a hot minute we don't get these big shows Last night felt like a big show. It was a huge show for the city of Cincinnati. Did it come off that way on TV? Absolutely, it did. You, I felt like the crowd was one of the better parts of the show. Um, I, I can nitpick a bunch of things, but overall, it just felt like, like you said, AEW just does a great job of celebrating wherever they are and making these Dynamite episodes feel like a big deal every single week. I feel like the next couple of weeks are just feeling like a big show after big show. You got next week with Adam Cole's in-ring debut. You got two weeks from now. I'll be there live in Queens, New York, the most attended AEW event of all time at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York City. And that has the return of Cody versus Malachi Black. But just last night from beginning to end, whether it was Malachi Black and Dustin Rhodes having a, a very good opener to the show or whether it was MJF with like oh it's God. so awesome that you know we've gotten to the point in professional wrestling where people don't really do cheap heat promos so when people do it it feels fresh and it feels new and that was one of the best non-wrestling segments i've seen in a on AEW dynamite in quite some time it made MJF get his heat immediately back after losing on Sunday to Chris Jericho at all out. You got, you got Linda Pillman over, you got, you got Brian, Brian Pillman's daughter over, you got Brian Pillman Jr. Over, you got, you have one of the best lines of the year because anyone who saw the Brian Pillman dark side of the ring when MJF called this Brian's mom, Methany, I'm sorry. I popped and my wife, who I have said on multiple different things on Sports Heater Wrestling. She is a WWE employee. But even her, almost half asleep, because she goes to sleep early early, because we got one-year-olds, but she woke up and heard that line and started clapping for like, She was like, yes, Melody was the biggest heel during that Dark Side of the Ring episode. So him saying Methody had popped her. It popped everybody in my house. So that was great. Uh, Moxley and Suzuki, time, you know, being being taken away and all and not giving us Suzuki's theme. That was a crime that they did to Cincinnati. But other than that, this was so much fun. I called it beautiful violence. Suzuki bleeding from the eye. That was just awesome. The the stuff with Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega, where you feel like you're in a wrestling dream because Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega are in the ring alone. And it's just like, my God, AEW, it's no question, is the hottest promotion motion in the land right now and AEW All Out was the best pay-per-view I've seen in 20 years. It had one of the greatest steel cage matches I've ever seen in my life. It had it had one of the it had the best ending to a pay-per-view that I've ever seen in my life. So as a person who loves professional wrestling, it's very rare that you have these you know weekly shows or pay-per-views that just give you a feeling of joy and excitement of professional wrestling. And that's yeah. what AEW has done this whole week. They're, they don't take a night off. And I think that's the biggest thing is like you, you watch WWE, especially on raw. If they're in a town like, I don't know, Tucson, Arizona or Cincinnati or uh, Davenport, Iowa, it doesn't matter if they're in one of those smaller cities and it's a Monday night raw. You can tell by about, Oh, I don't know. 40 minutes in that they're phoning this bad boy. in. They don't do that at all in AEW. They don't have a pay-per-view every month that they have to save stuff for. And it, and this this four pay-per-view a month or a, a year model, it works. It's perfect. I, and I say that as a guy who genuinely enjoys WWE's pay-per-views because they're all good. They're all great. You WWE for the better part pretty much since the pandemic had started. This is what we talked about is the pay-per-views are great. It's the in-between stuff that 
that has fallen between the cracks and has not been good, at least from a storyline standpoint. The talent, still, they still have some of the best talent in the world on the roster, and I will never yeah. crap on the talent, but some of the stuff that they are given to work with ain't it. And a week-to-week -week basis, you know, just kicking stuff down the road. It's the same stuff over and over again. Hell, the, the, the build to the Usos and Mysterios at SummerSlam was to have the Usos and Mysterios wrestle each other every damn week. I mean, it's like they weren't even trying on some nights. So you don't get that in AEW. Having, you know, four major, major pay-per-views a year and that's it allows them to put on huge matches like John Moxley and Suzuki on an AEW Dynamite, which that is a pay-per-view uh, quality yeah. match. Uh, by the way, you guys haven't seen it yet, but I was there in person. Pac and Andrade, holy shit balls. That match slapped and had, a very, and had a very shocking ending. By the way, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody. You can find the spoilers out on the internet if you're one of those people, but I'm not gonna spoil it for you. And we'll be reviewing it Friday night on Smack yes. Talk. So so yes. you get to you get to watch it all over here. You get to see it live, and now you get to see it through the TV. So I don't, you, can I don't, see, you can see the difference. You can you can say if if they took anything away or you know what we missed. It's gonna be a great review when you talk about it. But that's what I love about AEW is that yeah, they could just give you the the two hour show of dynamite and i'm pretty sure any fans in cincinnati new york or anywhere they're going to be or anything anywhere they've been they would be fine with that but they give you elevation before they give you some weeks they give you rampage afterwards and you know elevation has one of my favorite independent wrestlers in the world lee moriarty being signed with aew becoming already that like like for all the major stars that they've signed, that's the type of signings that they also need because they also need guys for the future. And he is so talented, and he addresses one of my one of my big problems and a, a, a conversation that's been the discourse among African Americans that are wrestling fans is AEW promoted diversity, but when you look at the top of the card, they don't really have that much diversity there. It's a very it's a mainly Caucasian type of you know main event roster but the when you look at their roster the african-american stars they're still developing they have young stars like ricky starks like powerhouse hobbs like dante martin like now they got lee moriarty they need to develop these guys and i feel like in a year or two they'll be up there al along with the upper echelon so it's all is always a process but uh, you know us as african-americans we got to support them because that's the only way and aew inspires that faith in you that if you support these people they will get somewhere instead of a company that spent the better part of 20 25 years telling us anything you like and we don't agree with it we're always right and you're wrong yeah and that is that is part of that major issue for wwe that uh, that we'll get to and, and this is nothing new with with aew and this is something that obviously i i have seen uh, a conversation amongst the uh, the twitterverse the iwc uh talking about this in recent weeks and um you know i i, I can't really uh, comment on that so i don't uh you know I'm, I'm not not my place to speak up on that but i i, I will say this is kind of uh, similar to what they were talking about with the women's division when it first started up a lot of the same comments and then you'll notice all of a sudden now seemingly overnight even though it hasn't been it has been a slow build for the women's division that division's on fire all of a sudden like I'm, I'm watching that uh the casino battle royale and i'm sitting there going all right, I could conceivably see six, seven, eight women who could win this damn thing and and challenge for challenge Britt Baker for the AEW championship. And then they eliminated all of them. And then, you know, Ruby Soho comes down and she wins the damn thing. And she at, she's an immediate star. That's another thing that AEW does fantastic is they bring these people in and they let you know who's a player right off the bat. They let you know. And they were like, hey, here's Ruby Soho. Boom. You got it. She wrestled twice last night in Cincinnati, and she kicked ass both times. And and one thing that AEW doesn't get enough credit for, and it's it's when you get debuts and you see the difference. And it's one of my main critiques with WWE as of late. You know, you had in the you know when we we're growing up, Jim Johnston days, he did great with the theme songs. Then you get into like the early 2010s. CFO has done awesome work themselves. 
Lately, WWE sucks with giving theme songs. AEW hits it out the park with theme songs, in my opinion, every single time. In a nutshell, you can say with the debuts, they hit it right out the park because they licensed one with Rancid giving Ruby Soho that that theme that is stuck in everybody's head. It's been in my head for days. (laughs) For days it's been stuck in my head. And then you got Brian Danielson, who, you know, they couldn't get the rights for, for Final Countdown. And they gave him an absolute bobski, a banger of a remix to Flight of the Valkyries. His buddy made that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he, he, went, he went said, hey, I got a friend who could make me make me a cut. And they're like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. And they hit that out the park. And then you want the biggest example of where WWE themes is at and where AEW's themes is at. Compare Adam Cole's NXT theme before he left to what he has now my god as soon as that hit on sunday i went on youtube and i was like please be here please be here because i gotta listen to adam cole i just love that i just love the themes it's awesome and it's that's also a part of the whole experience with it so it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan and i know that most are going to be watching this that are wwe fans like oh they're talking too much about wwe we both and everyone probably watching want WWE to do more. And we hope that the success and how hot and how much buzz AEW has will motivate WWE in the future or soon. Right. And that and that's the thing, man. It's like, that's because, yes, I am enjoying the success of, of AEW. I, I, I love these big pops. I love seeing Daniel Bryan in the ring with Kenny Omega. I love seeing Adam Cole get the double the double peck uh, from uh, from the Yum Bucks in the middle of the ring. He looks like he's living living his best life right now. And you know, I, then I look over and I see these guys that we all love in WWE, and we're like, you, know, you could be doing cool shit too. You know, if, you know what? Why 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 is Sami Zayn running away from Dominic Mysterio on on SmackDown? Why has Kevin Owens not won a world championship in the last, what, three years? He, four, he years. four years. He hasn't held it since he, he got fed to Goldberg. Hell, outside of his feud with um, with with Roman Reigns last year and into this year, he hasn't been proper, properly utilized since he dropped that title, uh, to be completely honest with you. And I think he would agree with you, and that might be the reason why he's in the news uh, this week, which we'll get to, get to momentarily. Honestly, the the best thing going for for WWE right now is its women's division, and they don't even utilize that properly. There are problems about. We talked about this on Smack Talk. They had seven, eight women on the show on on Friday. Didn't have a single women's match at all. And outside of Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, the whole night felt like Divas era. And I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade the Divas era. I'm not saying this is a with a negative connotation at all, but I mean you had Tony Storm getting hit on by Dolph Ziggler. Uh, you had uh, Naomi basically getting ignored completely and said, "No, you're not worthy of being on our show," uh, which is more of kind of like a nod to a backstage divas era kind of thing. And then you had uh, what was the other one? Um, the Carmella Liv Morgan. Oh uh, yeah, this Carmella just looking all hot in front of the camera, and Liv Morgan going. What the hell is this? And that's it. Like that's that's all. So you're talking about the voice of the viewer. Like what the hell is? Yeah. So but but you're you're hit. You're playing the the divas era hits of sex appeal. Guys, just you're gonna be there, so a guy can hit on you, and then uh, you're not good enough to be on TV tonight. Yeah. Like that. That's what that SmackDown Women's Division was utilized for outside of Becky and Bianca. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, I can give them a little bit of credit for trying to start some secondary stories for once. But my God, that that's the direction that you go in. And then you you look at what AEW's women's division is able to do now. You got Thunder Rosa over there who WWE wanted as a referee, uh, by the way. Uh, she's absolutely crushing it. Ruby Soho couldn't get out of catering. Love that line from Britt Baker last night, by yes. the way. She just gets better every week on the damn microphone. Couldn't get out of catering. Now, all of a sudden, she hops over and she's kicking ass wrestling fantastic reminding people who the hell she is and just how damn good she is is now a number one contender for a women's for a world title shot she didn't come close to ever competing for a women's title match uh in wwe i mean it it's it's clear that they have a mindset over there of of what they believe to be top stars and who they don't and then if you just don't fit that mold 
unless you're CM Punk and you literally force them to kick the door down, if you're CM Punk, if you're Becky Lynch, if you can force them into finally pushing you, which is a rarity, you yeah. can break the glass ceiling. You can break that mold. But if you're not, good effing luck. And that's that's the big difference. And that is the problem that WWE is facing now. It's adapt or die, Sid. If they don't start looking at their talent and letting them do what they do best and trusting them to work to the best of their abilities, like Adam Cole over in uh, in AEW or, or any of these guys that have made the jump, Daniel Bryan going over, these guys wanting to be just good pro wrestlers. If they don't start trusting their talent, utilizing utilizing their talent, worrying about talent morale, putting on good wrestling shows, creative content that that actually you know tells long-term storytelling if they don't start focusing on these things you're gonna lose most of your locker room because unlike 5 10 15 20 years ago your talent has somewhere else to go now that's the key and it's not just money if it was just money Adam Cole would be managing Keith Lee right now, according to reports. Yeah, that's right. I said it. If you didn't see this one today, this is one of those stories when I read it because it, it was Dave Meltzer that put this out with the Wrestling Observer. Um, This is one of those things where I'm like, I hope he got fed bullshit. Like, I'm hoping like somebody told him something and it was just flat out wrong or misunderstood or it was an idea that was brought up that's now getting blown out of performance blown out of proportion but the idea the pitch to adam cole at least one of them reportedly by the wrestling observer was for him to be brought up to the main roster to be the leo rush to keith lee there's a lot wrong with that situation you yes. have adam cole one of the best talkers in the business so i get why you would want to put him on the mic that's fine but he's also one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. One of the most beloved talents, even when he's a heel, one of the most beloved talents in that entire locker room in the WWE universe, particularly the NXT universe, a guy who has crushed it for you for four damn years in NXT and helped put that brand on the map before you inexplicably took it off of the map. Your damn selves. You wanted to bring him up, not as a main event level guy that he is, but you wanted to put him with Keith Lee, who doesn't even need a damn manager. That's the best and, part. <laughs> and just say, yeah, you go be his Leo Rush. It was be, be basically Leo Rush, Bobby Lashley. That's what it was. So they yeah. wanted Adam Cole up there screaming Keith Lee every match uh, while while Lee is, is is dominating people, and they wanted him to be this this heel uh, type team. If that's the pitch that Adam Cole got, easiest damn choice in the world for Adam Cole to say, bye-bye, baby, I'm going to go join my friends. <laughs> I mean, I, I always want to say, you know, any type of wrestling report, we have to take it with a pinch of salt, uh, except when it comes to from the woge of professional wrestling, Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, and, you know, Dave Meltzer has gotten, you know, false information before from WWE, but I am under the impression that this doesn't seem far off from WWE because in my eyes, although he's not the tallest guy, Leo Rush is one of the best workers in the world when they decided to put him with Bobby Lashley. Uh, Drake Maverick was a star in TNA, and they brought him to the main roster to manage Authors of Pain. Roddy Roddy Piper, at one point, they just wanted him to do Piper's Pit. And this is going back years now. This is something that Vince has always done, and the people around Vince, whether it be writers, whether it be Bruce Pritchard, whether it be Kevin Dunn, they know what Vince likes. They know what Vince wants. They know that someone that is five foot eight. Because I don't care how much he's built six feet. Adam Cole is five foot eight. I've taken <laughs> pictures with him. I'm five foot seven. He's just a couple of inches taller than me. He's about five foot eight, five foot nine, best as they. A guy that size, Vince is never going to see as a main eventer. That's why I, you know, 
I always try to listen to professional wrestling fans, especially because I do different stuff, you know, for YouTube podcasts. And I always listen to people and people are telling me, oh, I want Adam Cole to go to the main roster and versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship or be in the WWE title picture. And the only way I saw that happening was if Undisputed Era was still together and they all got called up to the main roster. That was the only way that Adam Cole would have had a chance to secede on the main roster. Once they broke up Undisputed Era, that is by far the dumbest decision in NXT history. I I'm I I know we hear, you know, the in history or all of all time a little too often, but yeah. when you look at where all four members are at now, it's it it's pretty obvious now that happened in February. We're in September now. We don't have the recency bias. It's still in the same year, but it's been about six, seven months. This is the dumbest decision in NXT history because Kyle O'Reilly should have been the, the top babyface coming out of that. He's okay. He's in the upper mid card of NXT, but is he a, a bona fide top babyface? No. Adam Cole has gone to AEW. Bobby Fish got fired. Roderick Strong is in another group that isn't as over as Undisputed Era. It's doing well, but it's not as over as Undisputed Era. And even them got one of their members released. So this is not the best decision. And that was the only way I could see Adam Cole seceding on the main roster because you have to use the information and the evidence that's been given to you. If you see WWE has done something for 20, 25 years, you need to stop saying that they can change because it's not going to happen when they're making a billion dollars from Peacock. They're making a they're making close to a billion dollars from Fox. They're making five hundred million dollars from NBC Universal. They're making hand over fist money. And at the end of the day, Vincent Man wants profits. He doesn't want the satisfaction or the praise of professional wrestling fans. It's two different things that you know what what we want and what Vince wants. And as long as they're making money, stuff like this and ideas like this are going to be pitched. I don't know if it's been if it was pitched to Adam Cole, but I do believe it was a pitch. It might have not been accepted. It might have been turned down. But I definitely believe this was one of their pitches. Yeah, and uh, look, it's it's one of those things. Again, when it comes with WWE, I I, I use this word a lot lately, and it's hope. Right. Like we all hope that this report is crap like this. This was just a, a some some writing assistant said, hey, I know we're trying to work out something with Keith Lee. Adam Cole's really big. What if we brought Keith Lee up and everybody was just like, go away, kid. You know, yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe yeah, there was yeah, something yeah. like that. Somebody just, you know, some intern opened his mouth at the wrong time. OK, you know, maybe it was something like that. Who knows? That's what I would hope uh, would be. Uh, I use the term hope a lot in saying I hope that WWE can change because the biggest difference between AEW and you alluded to this in biggest difference between AEW and WWE is who they prioritize AEW to use a radio term prioritizes their P ones, their yeah. core audience. They give the fans what they want. The pro wrestling fans, what they want, which is to quote Daniel Bryan, excellent, pro wrestling because excellent pro wrestling is fucking awesome direct quote from daniel bryan that's why he's there that's why daniel bryan is there and cm punk brought this up too it's like look i don't have a lot of good things to say about wwe daniel bryan loved his time in wwe genuinely loved where he worked and he still left what does that tell you it tells you that AEW is on to something. They know what the talent wants. They know what the industry wants. They know what the fans want, the wrestling fans want, and they are all about giving it to them. Doesn't matter the price, giving it to them. Obviously, you still want to have a successful business model, but it definitely seems to me that with AEW, it comes to let's put on a good damn show and the rest, including profits, will take care of itself. Where WWE is... We don't need Bray Wyatt. Cut him. Where WWE is like, ah, we do we do we really need these these twenty people? Eh, nah, all right, we don't we don't need Braun Strowman anymore. I know he was just world champion like six months ago. We 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 can cut him because we have Omos. We have Omos now. 
Which, by the way, that was one of the really, really cool things that did happen on Monday was that stare down, yeah. that, that showdown between Omos and Lashley. And to Vince's credit, yeah, he 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 is right. That report of like you know no five foot you know eight people. And I think this is something that uh, that we talked about, or I, I saw another video uh, somebody talking about that. Uh, but yeah, to, to Vince's credit, he's right. We all love big dudes beat the shit out of each other. So you know, I I get it. All right, there's there's an attraction there. So Vince knows what he's doing at certain parts. But man, when it comes to WWE, they focus on profits number one, and then two, appealing and drawing in the casual audience. Yes. You up those profits. Be damned what the P1s think. Be damned what your core audience, your hardcore fans, the ones that you have. And again, it comes back to, well, guess what? Much like the talent now, where we've seen so many people jump ship, so many people ask for their release and then get brought over to AEW. Guys like Miro, guys like Andrade, guys like Christian, guys like uh, Adam Cole. Da- Brian Danielson. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the dudes that they brought in, and they're not done yet. Nope. Just like the talent, where they have someplace else to go, so do the wrestling fans now. And if you stay on this course, this track, this trajectory that you're on, three, four, five years from now, guess what? You're not going to have a product that networks and advertisers and fans want to invest their time and money in and that's where the hope comes in because you you hear reports like from sean rossap the woge of wrestling media this week that kevin owens's contract is up early next year and then the reports follow that i believe it was body slam that had the, the had this report first that there are at least some people within the company who believe that he has already made up his mind and he is leaving the company after yeah. five, six years on the main roster. He's saying, bye-bye, I'm done. And, and you know, I understand that. He's, he's pretty much done everything you can. Doesn't mean you can't find stuff for him to do. You can't reinvent him. You can't use him in the spotlight. Randy Orton's been there for 20 damn years in the main event scene, so it can be done if you want to utilize him. Does WWE care to utilize Kevin Owens? Because right now, Looking at the landscape of the WWE roster, Vince McMahon should be starting a new club, the Kiss Kevin Owens' ass club, because he should be backing the Brinks truck and everything creatively that Kevin Owens needs and wants. Because if you lose a guy like Kevin Owens from your roster, you're toast, man. Like this is this is like one of the top losing Daniel Bryan's a big deal. You got to look at the landscape and go, okay, who are my moneymakers? Who are the most over people with my audience? There is no question that Kevin Owens is one of those guys. You have to make this man happy. You got to find a way to keep him in there because otherwise it's just another domino and then more and more and more are going to fall. And I think that, you know, he's someone that they do like and they do respect because he's one of the few guys in WWE that doesn't get like a full on script of his promos. They kind of give him may have like maybe like the bullet points, but they kind of give him his own voice. And he's been in major stuff. And I would say that his first two years on the main roster is one of the most successful ever as he won. He came on the main roster as NXT champion. He lost that title. He won the Intercontinental Championship, lost that title. A few months later, he's the Universal Champion, lost that title. He's the U.S. Champion. And that's in his first two years. And then Oh, yeah. By the way, in his first two years, he had an interaction with Vince McMahon where he laid out Vince McMahon and then got in a feud with Shane McMahon and was the main event of Hell in a Cell 2017. So this is someone that they respect. This is someone that they have seen value in as a main eventer. But he's also someone that has constantly been pushed down the card by the people that they do love a little bit more than him. And that is one, their nostalgia button, Goldberg beating him for the Universal Championship in a feud 
that absolutely did not need the Universal Championship. This was Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, where in 2004, the same Vizic man decided to put the WWE Championship on Eddie Guerrero because he thought Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar didn't need the title, is the same Vizic man that 13 years later decides to put the title on Goldberg to put in to put in a feud with Brock Lesnar, even though the hottest feud in the company was Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, and they had planned for six months for that to be their Universal Championship matchup at WrestleMania. This is what they do. He's been pushed aside for that. He's been... Uh, you know, comes in on the main roster, he defeats John Cena in his first match, but then he goes into the John Cena booking of John Cena kind of finished him out in one, two straight. He, and always he's going to have guys in front of him, whether that be a Roman Reigns, whether that be a Seth Rollins. Edge has been more frequent and more of a full-timer. He's ahead of him. We always know John Cena is going to come back around the big show times. The Rock is planning to come back. Brock Lesnar just signed a new deal. There is multiple different people that they will always put ahead of Kevin Owens. So I definitely agree with you that he is someone that they should value and that they should, you know, back up the Brinks truck and give him any type of creative options that he wants. But am I, you know, optimistic that they're going to do that? No, because we've been dealing with 20 to 25 years of evidence that WWE says that the brand is here. Everybody else is here. This is everybody else. The only person that's like close right here is Roman Reigns. But everybody else is underneath the brand, the brand before anybody. They really believe that it doesn't matter who leaves the company. It's no big loss. We had reports coming out after Sunday when Adam Cole and Brian Danielson signed with AEW. They're no big loss. They, they always go by the theory of, you know, the insecure man who gets who gets his heart broken by the girl. And then a week later, there's like, oh, oh, she didn't break up with me. I broke up with her. That's that's WWE. <laughs> yeah, I don't buy those reports for a second, by the way. Like, that might be the line coming out from the company. Mm -hmm. But Daniel Bryan was your top baby face for years. Oh, yeah, trust me. The insecure guy doesn't believe that either. But that's yeah, what he's oh, going to say to everybody. <laughs> there are three people, and I've said, and I, I said this on Twitter, there are three people in the entire wrestling industry that generate an organic crowd reaction, whether they're on the screen or not, a large crowd reaction. What are the three chants you always hear pretty much at every wrestling event, including when the, some of these guys weren't even active and weren't even in the company? It's the Becky Lynch chants. Whether it's We Want Becky or Becky, Becky, it is CM Punk, and it is those damn yes chants. Yes. Two of the three of those people are now in AEW. And this is where WWE needs to look at their landscape and go, who do we have that's over with the audience and we need to protect them at all costs because you got a boatload of talent that wrestling fans effing love in AEW. And now you have more of those talents in WWE who are second guessing whether or not they want to be with your company. Some of them who have reportedly already made up their minds like Kevin Owens. Yeah, and I do believe that came that report came from uh, John Alba's Living the Gimmick podcast Patreon. So definitely is he someone to definitely support because he does have sources. It, and it comes from people in WWE that he's spoken to that believe that. So, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion that he is going to, he's not, he's going to leave WWE or not re-sign with them. But this is what people in the company believe because Kevin Owens has kind of played into that speculation. He tweeted out the coordinates of Mount Rushmore, which was the infamous group in PWG with himself, Adam Cole, and the, the Young Bucks. And then he changed his Twitter bio to his location being almost there, while the Young Bucks changed their Twitter bio location to there. So he's playing into this speculation as well. So I am I am saying that that's a no BS meter on that report, that there is people in WWE that see those things and like, Oh, he's pretty much gone because we don't know what to do to keep him. <laughs> like, here, here's my here again. I use this word hope. I see stuff like that because look, we we may be tribalist, not me and you, but the wrestling fans may be tribalistic. You got your team WWE, you got team AEW. Yeah, 
most of these dudes are friends. Most of the, you know, they, 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 we, we got husbands and wives that work for separate companies. We got boyfriends and girlfriends that work for separate companies. We have best friends who work for separate companies. They all talk to one another. They all support one another, at least for the most part anyway. Um, you know, they, they watch each other's shows. All right. Yeah. My only hope is, is that KO is, 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 is running some game here where he's like, all right, my contract is up. Let me start laying some seeds here or there. Get the internet buzz talking. Maybe I might leak a little story about my contract coming up. I'm not saying that's what happened, but you know, I'm hoping that that, uh, cause I have no damn clue if that's what happened. I'm just dangerous speculation on my part, but Let's just say he starts playing these games. So all of a sudden Vince realizes, ah, crap and starts the negotiation process because you always got to try and get leverage. And if KO can get leverage off of this and work out a better deal for himself, more power to him. Cause I see everybody, you know, like the second that Sean Ross that broke that news that his contract was up. Everybody and their brother was like Kevin Steen to AEW. They already had the graphics up and everything and everybody's celebrating. And they're like, yeah, let's get Kevin Steen in AEW. Me, I got sad. Like literally I got sad because I'm just sitting here like, I don't want Kevin Steen in AEW. I want an unshackled Kevin Owens in WWE because I want both companies to succeed. And here's the thing. I don't care what Tony Khan says. I know you don't have a salary cap. I know you don't have a roster limitations, but you're re- you're limited by time on television yes. and you're going to hinder your company by bringing in too many people. You want to know how I know that is because we watched WWE do that for the last five years. Have we, too saw much w- we saw WCW do it. It's happened a few times and yes, they, they borderline are already pushing the limits because there was a, there was time issues on dynamite last night and Suzuki and Moxley didn't get enough time that they really deserved and needed for their main event. So we're already seeing the, the setback of signing so much big name talent and having to, you know, get them in on your two hours on Wednesday or your hour on Friday. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of replied to your to your tweet about the unshackle. I am a believer in WWE. I love WWE. And more than a lot of people that are going to watch this or are in support of WWE, their success is very reliant on my family's income. So I am I am rooting for WWE. But do I believe we would ever get an unshackled uh, w, uh, Kevin Owens in WWE, even if he does resign? No, I just, I just, no, I don't want to punish myself. I didn't, I, I, I tweet, I replied to your tweet because I don't want to see my brother here from my Cincinnati brother suffer and want something all that's never going to happen. I just, I just don't. All I have is hope that sooner or later, something has to change. All right. And I lived through this as a damn Cincinnati Bengals fan. All right. Like Mike Brown is one of the worst owners in professional sports because this guy literally sets up arbitrary rules that he doesn't want to break. Like he's been for the longest time. He has been against free agency. So he just doesn't dive into free agency because he doesn't believe in it. And it set his team back for 30 fucking years. All right. Like it's something that I've lived through, but you know what? It's like the sun, like finally peaked out from the clouds. The team started spending money on outside free agents. They've completely revamped the defense in the last couple of years, and they've given me hope that things are starting to change for the better. They finally announced a ring of honor this year, Sid, for crying out loud. All in three in three months, they could say they're going to have an uh, they're going to build a practice bubble instead of going to UC, and I might die of a heart attack. Like things are starting to change there, so that's where I'm like, okay, if Mike Brown, who is very much in the same mold as Vince McMahon can start changing, can start adapting at an advanced age. And let's just call that what it is. That's where Vince is these days. He's old. Er, um, maybe somebody as stubborn as Vince McMahon can also change and realize that, hey, look, I may not like this. All right. I may not like free agency because that's where wrestling is right now. I may not like it, but I have to play ball. I have to to start paying more attention to my P1s, my core audience, and giving them what they want. Focus more on professional wrestling rather than the entertainment aspect of it, which WWE does a fantastic job of. All right? WWE does a lot of really good things. Nobody can match them from a a production standpoint. No. Nobody. And even when they do their storylines and their wrestling, right. 
when they put time and effort into something that they truly care about, you can't touch them. Edge and Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, mwah. John Cena and Roman Reigns, the entire build of SummerSlam, perfect. But they don't do that for their entire roster. I believe AEW tries to do that with their entire roster just simply by, by trusting the talent to do what they did. I had a chance to talk to John Moxley this week for ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati. And he went on you know, a, a detailed um, rant, shall we say, of what the difference is between Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. And he said, Vince McMahon would look at an AEW match and go, oh man, this is crap. You know, you're there's seven or eight, there's too many super kicks, right? There's too many super kicks. Uh, you're not selling. You're going too fast. Slow the F down. And some of that I can understand as somebody who's been in the ring and has heard some of those same things from professional wrestlers. Um, But at the same standpoint, Mox, Mox is right. He's like, Vince would not listen to the 15,000 fans who are losing their ever-loving mind. Tony Khan, on the other hand, you know, we're getting ready for this, this cage match, the Lucha Brothers and the and the Young Bucks. Tony Khan's backstage going, oh, man, can't wait to see this. That's yep. it. That's his yep. input. Go out yep. there and do your thing, boys. That's exactly what John Moxley told me. That's the big difference between Vince McMahon and Tony Khan is Vince wants things done his way, and Tony Khan trusts his talent to go out there and put on a good show and do things their way. How many times has WWE brought in successful indie talent, people who have gotten over with the audience, and then they're like, all right, we're stripping everything that you've done successfully away, and we want you to be dewdrop." <laughs> that's the difference between a company that's owned by a professional wrestling fan and a company that's owned by someone that doesn't like the term professional wrestling. Like yeah. that's the biggest difference yeah. between the two companies. And that's why one just wants to make money and the other wants to please professional wrestling fans because that's going to lead to money. That that's the, the difference of philosophies right there. And I, you know, I'm always going to be hopeful that there is going to be more success for WWE and we'll see things that are better and we've gotten great things. And even during the pandemic, you know, you had the tribal chief of Roman Reigns, you had Bailey being on fire and being at the top of a game. You had Sasha Banks being, having great matches. Like there was stuff to enjoy during that whole time. But right now it's just not, it's not a good look because we were promised, you know, there was reports coming out like WWE's got big plans for when the fans are back. And what was those big plans? The return of Edge, the return of John Cena, the return of Goldberg. It's Vince pressing that nostalgia button. And that's his always his go to. That's always his old reliable that gets that gets short term results and long term hurts the WWE. Yeah. Because for years, he's put guys like John Cena and Goldberg over guys like Bray Wyatt and Kevin Owens to the point where Bray Wyatt had to reinvent himself, got completely over, and then got buried again. And then he was still over, huge merchandise seller. And then they go, you know what? We don't really need him. You know, he's he wants a little too much creative freedom, and he's not really playing ball, and he's making too much money. A screw it. He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to follow our rules, our arbitrary rule set, because we know better than what the talent knows. Okay, let him go. Again, that's all reported. None of that's actually factual. Bray Wyatt hasn't told anybody that, but if you believe the reports, if you read the tea leaves, if you look at the clues, it's all there in front of you. It's all there in front of you. There's so much information that's out there now, or at least where there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, there was some kind of discourse between Bray Wyatt and Vince McMahon. Otherwise, that release makes absolutely no sense whatever, whatsoever. And you can't tell me it was a damn budget cut when you got this company that's making fist loads of cash more than they ever have in their life. So, it, yeah, if I'm looking, if I'm buying stock, right? I don't buy stock, but if I did, my God, man, the 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 value of WWE shares right now would probably be the lowest that they have been in 20 years. And I couldn't afford AEW stock right now because it would be so damn high. And that's where we're at. And I don't see that ending anytime soon because if Kevin Owens does leave and goes to AEW, I don't care what the company line is. That's a major win for AEW. Sami Zayn, uh, who a lot of people are speculating. I mean, he's best friends with Kevin Owens. He's another one of these guys that's never been truly utilized to his value. At least Kevin Owens has a world title run. Sami Zayn doesn't even have that. I mean, they were 
they had Sami Zayn losing to to Mike Kanellis when he first you know came up onto the roster. That's not a shot on Mike Kanellis, but that's just where Sami Zayn was at the time. Um, and then when you look where Mike Kanellis ended up, all right. So it's like uh, they the the reports are that Sami Zayn's contract is not up in the fall. That's that's yeah. the update. They don't know when it's up, but it's not up in the fall. Uh, so there might be a little bit more time on Sami Zayn's contract. But you look at guys like Kevin Owens who might be leaving. The writings on the wall for maybe Sami Zayn to, to to walk out once his contract is up. He's a remaining mom. You hear guys like Finn Balor making comments saying like, "Look, WWE doesn't need me. I don't need WWE either. I don't know when Finn's contract is up, but at least it looks like he's getting a push. He might be the Universal Champion. That match has already been added to Extreme Rules, which is dumb. I would have rather them you know had that play out on screen rather than just freaking announce it on social media. Uh, but anywho, or have him win a match before you announce it, like, right? Jesus. <laughs> I mean, did he lose clean? No, but technically, yeah. But he lost. But he lost. <laughs> he freaking lost. I love that line from Daniel Bryan last night. It's like, hey, I, I'm here. I want to challenge you for the AEW championship. But that's not how things work around here. <laughs> that was a great shot. And I cheered so damn loud for that line, more than probably anybody in the whole goddamn arena. When he said that, because that's something I've been bitching about for a long ass time. All you have to do in WWE to get a title shot is attack the champion or show up and say, I'm next. This isn't, this isn't like, and, and this that's how billiards. Got his, his first shot. Yeah, this isn't billiards at a bar. You don't throw a quarter down and say, I got next. That's not how it works. At least it's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> and that's, there, there's so many little things. Just little things like that. If WWE focused on the long-term storytelling, doing things like they did on Raw, showcasing their tag team division, having all these teams act like the Raw Tag Team Championships means something. Having guys like Drew McIntyre want to challenge for the United States Championship, make that title mean something. Put on these great matches, you know, long-term storytelling. There's some good things that they did on Raw this week. And I yeah. hope they continue with that. SmackDown was really good last week. SmackDown typically is really good. But again, they focus a lot on Roman Reigns. They're focusing a lot on Becky Lynch. I get that. Those are your two cash cows. Those are probably, if I had to pick two people in the entire company that would never leave WWE for any reason whatsoever, it is Roman Reigns. It is it is Becky Lynch. And then by association, it is Seth Rollins, Rollins. As, as the third. So, I mean, WWE's got that going for them. They always are going to have those three, except one's a heel. Excuse me, two of them are heel, and you're trying to turn the other one heel. Again, going back to what I said, the three people who get organic crowd reactions, whether they are in the building or not, two of them are in AEW, you're trying to turn one of them heel. Sid, I don't care if it was her idea or not. You gotta, look at, you gotta look at the situation. You gotta pump the brakes. You gotta stop while people are still cheering for her. Just let her be that organic baby face for at least a few months. Uh, you got to have somebody that the crowd is behind in a in a way that we haven't seen before in in a way that is more over than than even Bianca Belair, right? Like you don't have crowds cheering. Bianca Belair is over. You don't have crowds cheering for Bianca Belair when Charlotte is out in the middle of the ring. You have crowds cheering for Becky Lynch when Charlotte's out in the middle of the ring. If a match is boring, they're not cheering for Bianca Belair. They're cheering. We want Becky. All right, so that's what I'm talking about. No disrespect to what Bianca Belair has done. I think she's a huge star, and I think she could get up to that Becky Lynch you know, echelon, and I think that's what they're trying to do here by turning Becky heel. But considering the landscape of the pro wrestling world right now, I don't think you can bet on that being successful right now. I don't think you could afford to make that bet. No, because WWE does. Well, this is the, this is the issue why they probably said, you know, just do it. This WWE doesn't do well with booking baby faces. Look at the three oh. people you named. But Daniel Bryan returns after after how many years away? Like he was he was he he was out for three years, and within six months he had to go heel because they totally botched his return. CM Punk was the hottest babyface in 2011. They had him get beat by Alberto De Rio and Triple H. He goes on a run and he gets some of those fans back, but they eventually had to turn him heel because they had to make him a heel to go against The Rock. And and now they're doing. Becky Lynch is going along in that same path. This is what WWE does because they don't book baby faces well, and that's one of their other issues. But like I said, I'm I'm always gonna have faith that WWE 
can get themselves together or find something and find stars that make it enjoyable to watch. And like and like you said earlier with the pay-per-views, like you said this week on Monday Night Raw, when they just let the wrestlers wrestle, the show is enjoyable. It's yeah. everything else that involves creative that is the issue at this point. I mean, sometimes you'll find, uh, you know, a gold nugget. I thought Dewdrop's promo on Raw this week was uh, spectacular. I mean, the storyline is what it is. Her name is still ridiculous. Uh, but, you know, she's doing her best best with it. And I think that's that's the biggest difference from a from a talent standpoint is do the best with what you got on Mon- on WWE and AEW. It's, well, what do you think is a good idea? All right, let's go try it. If it bombs, it bombs. In WWE, they'll do that with certain people. That's what they did with Drew McIntyre. I talked to Drew McIntyre, you know, at the, the press junket in SummerSlam. I asked him about story time with Drew. He was like, that was just me trying stuff. It didn't really work, so I stopped doing it. They don't let everybody do that. And even when you got a guy like Kevin Owens, who they do just pretty much get pretty much give a free reign on the microphone to, and now reportedly he's looking at going elsewhere. I mean, when you can't keep people who love being there, like Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens' dream was to work for WWE. You can't yeah. keep those guys. Adam Cole's dream was to work for WWE. You can't keep those guys. Nope. That's a problem. And WWE needs to fix it in a hurry. Or, you know what? Start building up the back end of your roster, which you're not doing a good job of at all right now you brought back keith lee where's he been he's been squashing enhancement talent while you're trying to figure out what the hell to do with them and apparently we're gonna have an even longer delay because adam cole ain't there to be his freaking manager this is this is the state of things and that's why you have wwe hall of famers like mick foley kind of echoing what we're saying and saying that they have a problem they have an issue when you have legends who left other companies for the same thing that's going on in your company telling you that I wouldn't sign with you now like I did in 1995, 1996, I, I, would, I would address it. But if they're making people, money, they ain't going to address it. That, and those are the people that need to speak up. People like Mick Foley. Maybe if, if, if Stone Cold Steve Austin or The Rock came out and said something like that, how huge would that be? What would the ripple effect be for that? Yeah. I don't think they will. You got guys like Booker T who still work for the damn company who said that he agrees with Mick Foley. Now, Booker T is leading the world in bad wrestling takes, but that one he's right on. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, a broke clock is right twice a day. So, Booker, congratulations. And Dude, congratulations on reality of wrestling, getting a TV deal. So, he's he's doing yeah. well this week. He's having yeah. a good week. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's basically the Skip Bayless of uh, of wrestling uh, journalists. You know, occasionally he'll he'll get one right. But, guys, come on. The guy said today that Adam Cole should have gone to New Japan. Shut up. Shut up. What are you doing? Yeah, go to New Japan. Don't go to the hottest promotion in the world and join your best friends. Oh, and your girlfriend, by the way. He said CM Punk should have cut a promo on the on the landmarks in Chicago. <laughs> this man is this man was my hero growing up. <laughs> uh I I I feel like all we've done is is crap on WWE and anybody who is a WWE, you know, elitist or apologist, if Kev Kellum is listening to this podcast with well, him not being here right now, he's probably fuming. Look, man, we we, we, we like yeah, punch in the air. We say all this out of love. Like we can focus. We could focus on AEW's problems. They have plenty. Yeah. They have plenty. They're not a perfect company, but they're doing more right with. And I'm not going to say the right people, but with the people who care the most. And that's why they're kicking ass right now. They are doing the best with the hardcore fans and the talent. You can tell by all the people who are jumping ship and all the people who are chomping at the bit to get over there. That's where they're succeeding. I could sit here all day and say, you know, talk. I could spend 20 minutes talking about how dirty they did uh, Hikura Shida and, and Riho in the Women's Battle Royal at All Out, which they absolutely did. Riho didn't even get tossed over the top rope, and they called her eliminated. What the hell are we doing? 
They can they can have more than one match, uh, a woman's match on Dynamite. They can have more African Americans in the main event scene. AEW has its own issues, but they have have less glaring issues than WWE right now. And I think that is the the synopsis of this uh, podcast that we've talked about here. Again, not to crap on WWE too much on this. Because I do. I love WWE. I make a ton of money on WWE with all the interviews they give me, and hopefully they're not watching this show right now. Um, but one of the other things that I really liked about the show last night, because you you brought up, um, you know, they could have more African Americans on the show. One of them they did have was was Powerhouse Hobbs, and he faced um, Dante oh, Martin. I know the African American. Yeah, yeah, Dante Martin. What they are doing with Dante Martin is genius. That guy in a very short time is over as hell and he's not winning matches. Nope. He's just looking incredibly, incredibly good in those matches. He made powerhouse Hobbs look like Brock Lesnar last night with some of the selling that he was doing. Some of the moves that he can do are incredible. This guy can hang in the air for literal seconds. He did like some like moonsault where he like grabbed his ankles and I felt like he just was hung in midair for like three seconds before he came back down. I'm just sitting in my chair going, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's even more impressive in, in person. But he's not winning matches. But he's getting the actual like crowd behind him. They want to see him do well. Yeah. And you know what? When, they, when he finally does start winning matches, that's when the crowd is going to take off. It's, it's, and- not, it's not that you lose. It's how you lose. And it's it's already a template that they followed already with Jungle Boy and with Darby Allen. When you look at the early stages of AEW, these guys did not win too often. Like they lost a lot of big matches, but when they finally did start winning, the people got behind them. Whether it was in empty arenas and people were just watching on TV, or when they got in front of fans, and these guys are the two two of the most over guys every week on Dynamite. So this is a template that Dante Martin is following, and it has it's a template that has breed success already. So we hope WWE can follow similar paths and can build people up for the back end because that's the issue. That's the reason why AEW is getting so much, so much props because they're signing all these big name talent, like your Adam Coles, your CM Punks, your Brian Danielson, but they're still building the Darby Allens, the jungle boys, the MJFs, the Sammy Guevara's, the guys that are going to be around for the next 10 years. Maybe not MJF. I still have him pegged as the first guy that's going to go over to WWE. And that, that is when things are really going to pick up. We think it's fun now. All right. I know WWE is in a bad place and they're losing a lot of dudes over to AEW. Eventually, it's going to happen. They, some of these AEW contracts are going to come up. They're going to start talking. And Vince is going to offer a really big bag to somebody like MJF. And he's going to go, you know what? I can compete. I can do my thing over in WWE and be just fine. I'm still waiting for that outsider's moment. That outsider's moment where MJF just shows up on Raw and everybody's like, what the hell is that mother effer doing there? And maybe he can bring a couple guys with him. I don't know. But I still think MJF is going to be a top heel in WWE one day because I think he's a guy who's young enough, who wants to make that money, who thinks he can succeed in WWE, who maybe has a point to prove or something like that, who would jump over. Maybe I'm way off base because I don't know the guy at all, but he strikes me as that kind of a guy. Uh, and And he's so damn good at what he does, which is getting nuclear heat that you will literally cheer for anybody. What is the, I mean, I know Brian Pillman is a hometown guy. He's never gotten that kind of a reaction in, in AEW before. No, most of that is due to MJF. Exactly. He, he, he does a great job of getting others over and he is probably someone the probably the most likely of any AEW star to make that jump. I, 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 I thought maybe Britt Baker would make the jump up, but that's not going to happen. She signed an extension. Adam Cole's over already over there. She's the biggest star in AEW right now, at least for the women's division. I would have said the biggest star in the company until Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and, and maybe even Adam Cole uh, jumped over there. I mean, has it has it really kind of hit you what what went down over the last couple of weeks? Because like this is something that I brought up in, in private to people, and I know I'm not the only one, but man, it real there. There's a lot of similarities. To what happened over the last couple of weeks with Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole coming over and when the Outsiders and Hogan made the jump over to WCW. 
I made the comparison when the rumors started that CM Punk was Hulk Hogan and Brian Danielson was Macho Man Randy Savage, but they made the they did they put the as, as you know they put their their man piece on the table and they put they gave us Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in a matter of five minutes. So yeah. that felt like you know Hall and Nash making the jump. So maybe Punk is 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 Hogan and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson are Hall and Nash. But yeah, it's for the first time in quite some time we have that feeling of what we had 25 years ago when people were making jumps and WCW was catching steam on WWE. And it wasn't a immediate thing when Hall and Nash went over to WCW that they were beating them in the ratings. It was wow. slow. It was a it was a slow trajectory up, and I think that we're seeing that for AEW. Um, I, I haven't seen the ratings for AEW at the time of this recording. I'm very interested to see what they are. I would not be surprised if it's their highest rated show ever coming off of that pay-per-view with Brian Danielson guaranteed to be there and Adam Cole and Ruby Soho and everybody else who showed up. Um, yeah, it, it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. I just wish I could be equally excited about both companies. And that's, I think, is the theme of this particular podcast here on the Sports Kid Wrestling YouTube channel is we want both companies to be firing on all cylinders. And right now, one of them is, and one of them ain't close. And it has nothing to do with the talent in the locker room and has much to do with literally everything else. The politics, the creative, the decision-making, the tearing up scripts at the last minute, the lack of uh, commitment to long-term booking or long-term storytelling. Never forget, just like eight months ago, Matt Riddle, uh, said that he had no feeling in his feet because he got frostbite. They did the Mr. Deed storyline, and then literally last week, they're getting a pinfall broken up because somebody stepped on his foot. All right, so never forget, all right, that WWE just does things. They don't really have plans more often than not, and the proof is in the product. That needs to change. I want WWE to be better. I still do love WWE. I love a lot of the talent that is in that locker room. And that's the big thing. That's why I keep watching is because I enjoy the talent and I will root for them until the end of time. And that's why I started watching AEWs because there's so much talent in that locker room that I, uh, I respect and I enjoy watching. And that's why I watch both shows. And that's why I enjoy both shows, Sid. So in honor of Kev Kellum, as we wrap up here, first off, make sure to follow Sid at true heel sp3 follow me at rick uccino i crossed 2200 followers today i really really appreciate that we're trying to get sid over a thousand so please uh follow like 20 me. away like 20 yeah, away if you're following me you should be following sid because he knows way more about wrestling than i do i'm just over here screaming into the void um but at least i do so entertainingly I think. you do you do very well Anyway, uh, so uh, again, as we wrap up this episode of the Inside Credit, we appreciate everybody who has stuck with us for uh, for an hour and seven minutes so far. Uh, a lot that we, we we dived into today, a lot of AEW versus WWE stuff. We don't really like to do that, but after a week like we just had and you know, breaking down everything and the news about more people are leaving and jumping ship, I want to be excited about both companies. I want to truly enjoy both companies because, Sid, when you're watching wrestling, what do you need to do? Enjoy wrestling. Please. Big show, Madison Square Garden Friday night, by the way. We didn't even talk about that. That's, that is going to be a big show. We will talk about that on Smack Talk following SmackDown and AEW Rampage. 11.05, Sid, myself, the wrestling legend himself, Dutch Mantel. Make sure to join us. Uh, make sure to join us for uh, Top Story on Friday as well, uh, about 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I believe uh, Jeremy Bennett, Jose G, uh, Kev Kellum should be back. Uh, they'll be breaking down whatever story Sean Ross at breaks because uh, that guy is just constantly working, just constantly doing stuff, whatever. I mean, it's insane. The guy's, the guy's an animal. The guy's a horse. So uh, we'll, we'll break that all down. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Sports Kid Wrestling YouTube channel. We cracked 20,000. We're on our way to 30. Enjoy the uh, rest of your, uh, your evening. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And hopefully, yes, enjoy professional wrestling.